0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: You're listening to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And this is our special reunion Saturday session. If you want to catch our normal Dollars and Change episodes, you'll be looking for us at uh, Thursday mornings, 8 to 10 Eastern.
0: That's right. And so without further ado, let's go to John Turtelot, who is a Wharton grad from 1998. He's the managing director at Rivermore Energy. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Nick. And
1: we're we're laughing. We're saying welcome because you just barely made it. You had a late plane and rushed over here, but we're glad that
2: you're here. Thank you, Cheryl. So tell us what Rivermore does. So Rivermore is uh, an investor and developer of utility scale and large commercial um, solar systems. Um, in way of example a recent example a re- recent project that we did was um, with and for bentley university in waltham massachusetts we developed a 2 million dollar solar asset on the roof of bentley's brand new 45 million dollar hockey and multipurpose arena and the great news, Cheryl and Nick, is that the arena this week was named the most environmentally sustainable arena in the United States. Oh, wow. And the first um, hockey arena in the U.S. to be
0: LEED Platinum. Wow. Because I would assume that that type of facility uses a lot of energy to keep things cool.
2: It uses oh. a huge amount of energy per square foot. But the through significant investment in energy efficiency and building design, um, the university was able to... Reduce its um, operating costs by fifty percent and reduce overall energy use by fifty percent versus a comparable building. And this is a new build, not a retrofit. It's a brand new building, yeah. Cheryl. And um, Bentley has been working on this for a number of years. And it, it's the home of Bentley's Division One hockey team, student events, alumni events, concerts, uh, career fairs. It's it's really a great facility.
0: Wow. And so you know you're here for Wharton alumni reunion weekend. Um, what was your path from getting from being a Wharton grad in 1998 to doing Rivermore Energy.
2: Well, I, um, you know, as Cheryl just said, you know, I'm an I'm an innovator. I really enjoy that. I worked in um, high technology in the Bay Area and in communications for a number of years um, before moving back to um, the Boston area for family reasons. And about 10 years ago, um, I thought that there'd be a really good opportunity to to take where solar was currently in the market and to think about how can we. Really serve some very large clients, and that's a lot of what I learned doing, you know, business management and marketing and um, in the tech industry. So we partnered up with a couple of big utilities right off the bat, and we were able to get done the first um, set of large projects in New England. And you know, it was great.
1: And so, what are you seeing uh, in terms of adoption of solar? Is it is it really continuing? Is it is it at a steady pace? Is it starting to hockey, hockey puck up? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's becoming normalized and um you know, in the built environment, if you want to call it that buildings, it's really the right way to do it is to to design it in from the beginning, which right. is what Bentley University did. So I see, you know, huge amount of adoption and some of the concerns, you know, that decision makers would have, you know, ten years ago when I started the company, Rivermore, um, really have dissipated, and people are really interested in saying, how can I really move the needle environmentally, and how can I save money? Right. Think about in this higher ed sector that we're in, a lot of universities' cost structures are going up by 5% a year, and inflation or consumer price index has been, you know, since the financial crisis, 2%. I mean, it's a huge disconnect. So this, you know, doing well by doing good, you know, improve your... Your climate um, change approach reduce emissions and save, you know, significant
0: operating costs. Right, and and I have a quick question on um, energy storage as a service right. that you um, highlight in your work. And I am not an expert in this field, but it is my understanding that that's one of the biggest challenges when it comes to solar energy or maybe renewable energy more broadly. And my my understanding is, let's say if you have solar panels on your house. Oftentimes, yes, you're powering your house, and excess energy is going back into the grid. And you might get a discount from your utility or something because you're now providing power to them. But, you know, it's just going back in the grid. So if it's sort of a standalone solution or anything else, like storage is a huge issue. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Sure. I mean, the exciting thing, Nick, is that for the first time, energy storage, from the business case perspective, is really working. I've been working on energy storage since about 2012. And the initial projects that we did were through grants. The good news now is that because lithium ion, ion, which is a primary um, type of energy storage that's in use right now in cars and homes and businesses, because some of those costs and technologies have improved, um, you can now make the numbers work. So I definitely um, see storage being paired with solar as a very normal thing to do starting now. And, um, you know, we really have to thank... Um, a Penn grad in terms of Elon Musk for oh, getting yeah. the for really being a great marketer on that, you know. Um. And he's really gotten that message out there successfully. Um, And people are really turned on to the fact that this is something they can do. And um, it's a way to reduce some of these peak costs. We're building all this infrastructure for the peak periods. I mean, a huge percentage of our usage is in, you know, summer afternoons, you know, several times a year or particularly cold times at certain times a day. So energy storage really helps out with that.
1: And so... We have uh, an alum, Emily Shapira, here in Philadelphia, who is working. There is a green initiative, but they're doing a lot of retrofitting for old houses, right? So they're putting solar panels, keeping things clean. Do you do any of the retrofitting? Is it all new for
2: you? We do a huge amount of um, what you would call retrofitting. I mean, one of the projects we did was on a former um, Stride Right shoe factory in the city of Boston that is the home of the Boston Water and Sewer Commission, and it's a, the largest solar array in downtown Boston uh, on a building. Um, but, you know, that was a, a great setting where they had this huge building, and it, and it was a perfect roof to do it. So I think, you know, the, in existing buildings, it definitely makes sense. It's not easy yeah, to get yeah. solar engineered and, you know, um, in place there, but... Um, Definitely doable, Um, and certainly also on on the ground because we've done a lot of um, contaminated sites, what you would call brownfields, brownfields, right? Mm -hmm, Landfills. mm -hmm. One of them that we did is at the entrance to the city of Boston, um, at this huge gas tank, um, the multicolored rainbow tank on the um, in Dorchester, in the southern uh, entrance to the city. But we did about eight acres of solar there on heavily contaminated land. And that was also in kind of a tidal area, so there was no way it was going to be used for anything else. But it's great for solar, and it goes directly into the grid. It's a huge demand for energy right there. Um, and, you know, it's that, that project uh, is the largest one in the city of Boston, and, and um, it just it really cranks out energy into the local grid.
1: Excellent.
0: And, I, you, know, we, you know, we could also talk to you for much longer. We have, you know, unfortunately, these abbreviated segments here for alumni reunion weekend. Speed but dating.
1: It is speed <laughs> dating. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, you know, what, what types of advice would you have for incoming MBAs thinking about how they you, – you talk about yourself as an innovator. And, you know, what are the skills that you would, you know, encourage our incoming MBA class to think about if they care about the environment, if they care about social innovation or anything else, sort of business and social impact?
2: Well, I would say, um, as as um, as Cheryl mentioned earlier, I think just this this um, creativity and innovation mindset is really critical in whatever you do, because um, you know the solutions are always evolving. Right. You know, there are tons of problems out there to to solve, and I think just from a um, from a values perspective, picking an area that's meaningful, you know, to you, and then figuring out how to really creatively solve the problem. I, I mean, that is just. It's always going to be there. Um,
1: and I think that that's one of the things that uh, you know, our deans continue to uh, point out is that jobs of the future, you're not going to know what they are. So pay, basically you have to have that mindset, the basic skills, the the sort of commitment to to rolling with the changes and seeing which, what role you can play in that.
2: Yeah, I was just back for a uh, board of directors training with Mike Yuseem, who's coming on next. And, um, you know, I was really struck by how he was grounding, you know, leadership. And character and principles and then values. I mean, I think that's the—that's really the foundation for all of it. And I know that those are some of the things you're working on yeah. at the um, Wharton Social Impact in- Initiative, Cheryl. Yeah,
1: we want—we want to get all of our students an opportunity to understand how they can use their their business skills, their mind, their innovation and creativity to solve some really interesting problems. And I think that that's one of the the points of, of our educational focus.
0: Well, and we focus too. I mean, it, we want to. I think Cheryl and I are passionate. About, combating the social or environmental issues sort of as a problem set, but also market opportunities, too. We're not just talking about, like, do the, the right. good thing, but rather there are real market opportunities if you're able to innovate and disrupt. Yeah, right. And to
2: have a sustainable business, and I mean that one that can last for the long run, you need to have a strong business model. Yeah, absolutely.
0: For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.